job. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. You did a great job. Well, it is our privilege to um, have some men uh, in our church preach. And um, today we're going to have a young man preach, and we're excited about that. I'm not going to give you his name yet just because it's a secret. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Keith Lurie is going to preach for us today. Some of you may not know this about Keith, but um, my wife actually taught him in school um, for her, um, yeah, student teaching. And then Keith actually took teaching in college, so he was a student teacher for a while. Told me, favorite part of college ever. He just wants to teach little kids forever and ever. <laughs> One thing that you may not know about Keith is uh, he's very heavy, like very heavy. Uh, so heavy that he dented my car in, when we were in grade six, grade four, Okay. So grade four, Beth and I had just gotten married. We were um, driving into the parking lot, and he and I don't know how many of his buddies decided it'd be cool to kind of like slide across our hood of our car. Next thing you know, it's all dented in. So he claims it was not him, but I guess he gets to speak next, so we'll let him <laughs> tell that part of the story. Well, we're excited about Keith coming to preach for us today, and he's got something uh, that the Lord's laid on his heart, so I hope you'll pay attention, and the Lord will use this. Keith, come on. Well, now that story's been told, I feel like I have to clarify it. Um, let me give you a better picture of actually what happened. I was with two of my friends. One of them, he was a little bit of a, he wasn't athletically inclined then, so <laughs> he was a little bit heavier than I was, and you have to picture this. When I was in grade six, I was... Four six, and I weighed 64 pounds. So in grade four, I was even smaller. So you have to picture that I didn't do that much. I couldn't have done that much damage to my car because the two of them jumped first, and then it was me. So to my defense, I still to this day don't believe I did any damage to the car as a, as a grade four kid. Um, but I'm thankful for this opportunity, Pastor Yomans. Thank you for allowing me to preach today. And hopefully you guys will get something out of this today. And I have to warn you guys. Um, I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I, I never took any of those, those um, preaching classes in Bible college. Again, I, was, I took the teaching courses. So for me in my head, the way that I calm myself down is instead of seeing this today as I'm preaching to you guys, I'm kind of seeing it, all right, this is the classroom setting, and I get to speak to you guys to quote-unquote teach to you guys for the next 10, 15 minutes or so. So again, bear with me. If I talk fast, somebody make eye contact with me, wave your hands or something, because I am, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous with you guys today. This is my third time preaching. So, again, I'm very excited, and I hope you guys get something out of this today. So if you could turn your Bibles, if you have them with me this morning, we'll be starting today at Romans, in Romans 8. We'll be starting in Romans 8 today. And today I want to talk about just everything that's going on in this season, right? It's a, it's a time we reflect on, we think about love, that God sent his son because he loved us. So today I want to talk more about how, I want to go more into depth, more of a Bible study on one of God's attributes and his attribute of love. So if you're there, you can read along with me in Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in our world today, everywhere you go, right, people, they're always constantly, they're looking for love. People long for that feeling of love as they think love will fulfill, fulfill their needs. 
Um, this time of year, we got a lot of Hallmark movies going on, right? There's always, they always fall in love, and that's, that's what makes Christmas special for them. Um, movies, televisions, and books today, they, they all paint their perfect pictures of what they think love should be. But entertainment aside, the time this question is asked, what is love? So I went to the Oxford Dictionary, and its definition of love is a very strong feeling of liking and caring for somebody or something, especially a member of your family or a friend. So human love can most times be associated with two words. We associate love with based on. People love people, other people, because either they make them feel good, um, they take care of them, or maybe they're just fun to be with, right? So this kind of love shared between other people, it's very conditional. It, it changes a lot. Um, some might say it's, it's, it's very fickle, right? Sometimes love, it, it doesn't always last long. Uh, some people say, you know, they've heard the saying, people, they fall in, in love, but then they also fall out of love. Um, they, no, they no longer have that, that strong feeling of love that they once did. And this definition of love is true on a human plane, but what is love in relationship to God and his attributes? So very first, I, I want to talk about love defined. And this portion, I, I took it from a book, um, A.W. Tozer, is, the book is The Knowledge of the Holy, and it presents the fact that God's attribute of love is more often discussed than it is defined. So in 1 John 4, 8, the Apostle John wrote, God is love. And many people have taken that phrase and they've kind of turned it into their definition of what love is. And this wrong idea of God is love has brought about a completely wrong philosophy and writings that are not in coherence with what the Word of God um, teaches. It is, it, is important for, it is important to note that Apostle John here in this, in this verse was not giving a definitive statement about the nature of God, but merely stating uh, a fact about who God is. In this book, the author points out the wording in 1 John 4, 8 and explains how the apostle was not giving a definition. And he states, Had the apostle declared that love is what God is, we would be forced to infer that God is what love is. If literally God is love, then literally love is God, and we are all duty-bound to worship love as the only God there is. If love is equal to God, then God is only equal to love, and God and love are identical. Another author, he also points out the wording of 1 John 4, 8, stating that if the verse said, God is the love, that would certainly imply that love equals God. But without the word the in the verse, it is only describing the nature of God, with the thinking that God is love, the sovereign, personal God of the Bible, is false. So when the apostle wrote, God is love, he is saying that it is an essential attribute of who God is. The Bible showcases much of God's other attributes, and each of those attributes help the believer to learn of God's love. The author goes on to say in the same chapter, because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because, because he's infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because he, he is immense, his love is incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, a shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence 
and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats confused and abashed. The believer has surely seen God's love in his other attributes. For example, we have all experienced God's grace. Even though God hates sin, he chooses to love sinful people. And that showcases his grace. The daily blessings we we receive from God, the, the blessings that we don't deserve, yet he still gives to us every morning, that displays the goodness of God, his faithfulness, and his mercy. Ephesians 2.4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Which brings me into my second point, love's object. The most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This verse here, it, it gives the believer insight of God's unconditional love towards mankind. It gives a glimpse of how much God loves mankind. Because God chose to give his only son to die on the cross for mankind. People full of sin and people who continually choose to sin. So that one day we could be with him in heaven. And when we think about it, we all know this. But God's son is a very pricely cost to pay for our sins considering who the object of God's love is, right? Again, I, we all sin. I sin every day, and I'm not deserving of God's love. But yet he still sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Um, if, if the person recognizes the fault and accepts God's gift, not only can he be with God in heaven, but he becomes a child of God. We become part of his family. First John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. This act of love shows the greatness of God's love and its benefit for man. Again, he loves us so much that we are accepted to be part of his family. We are called the sons of God. But not only do I want you guys to, again, recognize how great God's love is, but the important thing to remember is the freedom of God to make this act for his unconditional love, right? On our human plane, um, love, love is very conditional. It, it comes with an emotional identification. And the example given is, is kind of a, a tired mother, right? End of the day, she's still taking care of her baby. She's not complaining about it. Or even a father who works endlessly, tirelessly to provide the needs for his family. Love often manifests itself in acts of self-sacrifice. John fifteen thirteen, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. God does, not know man, God does not owe man anything. It was God who made man and put him in the garden. Yet it was man who chose to disobey. It is God who continually takes care of our needs. And it is man, again, who continually chooses to disobey God. There, there's one saying that, that I heard when I was a teenager at a youth conference. And it's, it's, it still sticks with me today. That when you sin... You're not only breaking God's law, but you're breaking God's heart. And mankind is guilty of breaking God's heart day after day after day, but yet he freely chose to send his son. Sorry. He freely chose to send his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross for man's sin. He freely chose not to turn his back on the world, and he still wants to have a relationship with man. I feel like that's something we really take for granted. 
I know with this time of year, again, we, we celebrate Christmas because, because it's Christ, but we often, maybe not until Christmas Day that we don't reflect about Christmas, but really every day as a believer, we should be reflecting that God loves us enough that he sent his son to earth to die for our sins. Only, one can only know God's unconditional love by accepting his free gift of salvation. We are to recognize our sin nature and recognize Christ as the only one who can save us from our sin and accept, accept him as our personal Savior. Romans 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this is kind of where I want the meat of the message to be. Into my last point here, love shared. Although man may never fully comprehend or know the depth of God's love, we are to speak of God's wondrous love. The world today, it's, it's plagued by fears and, and enemies. And the Oxford Dictionary describes fear as the bad feeling that you have when you are in danger or when a particular thing frightens you. People today, we're, we're always constantly living in a state of fear. Uh, we, we don't know what the future holds, and sometimes that, that's, that scares us. So we, we do our best to conquer and outsmart our fears in, in our own ways, but unfortunately, we all know that that never really works. I remember reading when, when uh, COVID-19 first started. It feels like it was so long ago. But there was one headline that I remember reading, and people were saying and believing that God had turned his back on the world and he had lost interest. Um, this line of thinking, it, it's certainly not new in any means. The fear of the unknown brings people to try to do everything in their own strength until they realize that they are powerless. The moment the person who is afraid comes under the protection of someone who loves them, they're not afraid anymore, and they feel safe. John said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. God's love is perfect, and with his love, only can we be free from man. Oh, sorry, can we be free from fear? There's a reason why we pray, right? Yes, it's, it's to have a relationship with God, but it's also a way to confide in him. We pray to God in times of fear and hardship because we know he hears us and he cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The world doesn't have that peace that we have, but God still wants to be their friend and his word assures people of his love. It is the believer's duty as a child of God to share God's love with others so that they too can experience God's unconditional love for himself. There's a security found in God's love. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, omnipotent, he is the creator of the universe, and he loves the individual wholly. Although man cannot control the circumstance, we can trust that our loving God will take care of us according to his perfect will. To make applications in, in light of today's circumstances, with everything going on, we need to remember that God is still on the throne and he is still in control. When something or someone is said to be loved, the connection of pleasure is there. Somebody can love a sport, right, because they find pleasure in the activity. People can love each other because they find pleasure in being with their significant other. Likewise, God finds pleasure in his creation. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Genesis 1.31. This association with love causes the confusion on 
how can God find pleasure in man? It has been discussed that God hates sin, but loves the sinner. So where does he find pleasure? Christ's death on the cross not only paid the price of sin for all mankind, but made a way for man to be the object of God's delight through salvation. God finds delight in the man that carries out and follows his divine plan for the individual. Being a light, like Pastor Yeoman said this morning, being a light in this darker world, sharing the gospel and living every day to be more and more like Christ brings pleasure to God. And lastly, we see from the Bible that God's love, it's an active love. It is often taken for granted, but the believer needs to continually take a step back and reflect on God's love and what he has done for him. Many verses in the Bible speak of God's love for the world and individuals. Tozer writes, God does not love populations. He loves people. God loves not masses, but men. God's love is intimate, personal love that will never end. And we need to remember and reflect on these truths. And if you want to go and write these verses down, and you, you can look them up later. But God's love is compassionate. Isaiah 63.9, it talks about that. God's love, it is affectionate. John 17, 23, it is merciful. Isaiah 55, 7, God's love, it is uninfluenced. 1 John 4, 19, it is eternal. Jeremiah 31, 3, God's love is infinite. Ephesians 3, 19, it is immutable. John 13, 1, and it is a holy love. Hebrews 12, 6. His act of love on the cross and his unconditional love for his children ought to never stop causing the believer to be in awe of God, to serve God, and strive to be more like him. It was heard in the sermon that we should never be serving, witnessing, or living for God based off his love, based off my love, or, or say even Pastor Zioma's love. We're, we shouldn't be doing it based on because we love God, but we should be serving and doing what we know is right because God's love for us. That should be what, what, what drives us. The believer today through the midst of today's crisis, tomorrow's problems, or whatever the future may hold, should never should stop reflecting on God's love. This attribute that is seen through his many perfect attributes and seen throughout the universe sets Christianity apart from any other world religion. Religions of the world today, we know they're, they're all work-based, right? If, if I do this, then maybe I'll be good enough and I'll go to heaven or Maybe if, if I be the best person I can be every single day, then maybe I'll go to heaven. There, there's no hope found in this world or the religions of this world, but we have hope in God's love and that God's love, it gives, us, it gives his children security, it gives us hope, it gives us peace, and a song to sing. So may we never leave, never lose um, the awe of his perfect attribute of love. Romans 5.8 but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I, I just kind of want to wrap it up with this. There's, a, there's someone I went to in Bible college. And on the surface, if, if, if you know who he is, you think, oh, he's never had any hardships in his life. He's easygoing. Um, it's easy for him to serve the Lord because he's never had anything holding him back. And if you were to talk to him, you, you'd ne he'd never tell you this, and he never wants you to. But he, he had lots of, lots of hardships growing up. As a kid, um, 
his father walked out of his life. And I remember him saying that before he left, he looked him dead in the eyes and said, I don't want to talk to you or our family ever again. And he hasn't, he hasn't talked to him in years. And another hardship that, that kind of came on in his life when we were in Bible college together, his brother went missing, his younger brother. I think his brother was 15 at the time. His younger brother was missing for, for three weeks, and he, he was found in the river, unfortunately. Um, and, I, and I say all this, not to bring the mood down, but again, he had the hardships in his life, and he was still faithfully serving God. Today, he's faithfully serving there, there in Ottawa. And I remember so, somebody asked him this. They said, how do you do what you do? How can you go through all of that and still love the Lord? And his response he said this, I don't do it because I love the Lord. I do it because the Lord loves me. And again, I said at the beginning of my sermon today, our human love, it, it wavers. But God's love for, for, for his people, it, it doesn't change. Our, our human love, it's, it's fickle. It's changeable. It's conditional base. But God's love is perfect and it never changes. So my challenge for you today is, for when we have the opportunity to serve or witness, not to do it driven by, oh, I'm doing this day because I love God so much. I want you guys to see that. But when we have the opportunity to serve, I challenge you guys to do it because God's love for us is so great that we want to show God's love through us. Pastor. Pastor.